Welcome to Haven Today at Christmas time. Life was comfortable, though not rich. John Dickens' family lived well in England. But fortunes changed. John was sent to a debtor's prison in 1822, and his 12-year-old son, Charles, had to leave school and go to work. Twelve hours a day, six days a week, Charles Dickens put labels on cans of shoe polish. Thankfully, his father gained his freedom a year later, and Charles went back to school. But Dickens never forgot the experience. Years later, he wrote, My whole nature was so penetrated with grief and humiliation. He said that even after obtaining fame and fortune, he would still wander desolately back to that time of his life. Experiences can shape who we become. You can feel Dickens' desolation reading his stories like Oliver Twist and A Christmas Carol. But if our lives are built on Jesus... We can rejoice knowing He is with us in every circumstance and making us more like Him. I'm Charles Morris, and we're continuing in a series called Heartwarming Stories of Christmas. When I think of Christmas stories, my mind immediately returns to sitting in front of a fire with a cup of hot cocoa, maybe a marshmallow or two, listening to the classics like Dickens' Christmas Story, or twas the night before Christmas. But if you pay attention and your eyes are open, you'll see that the Lord is at work all around us. So many heartwarming stories happen at Christmas time, but they show us a little more about our Lord. Christmas is less than a week away. It'll be the new year before you know it, a blink of an eye. And I have something to help you think about God's faithfulness in 2024. It's our brand new Haven calendar, and it's called, I'm reading it right now because I'm holding it, Celebrating 90 Years of Ministry. That'll blow you away if you know anything of our history. 90 years? Well, yes, this year we have a big birthday. We put together a calendar. Looks kind of like a yearbook with photos and stories looking back at our past nine decades of ministry. You'll enjoy seeing photos of the old studio in Hollywood in the Silver Lake District, and it looks like a boat. It's an historic building. It's on the register, even. And you'll also see how our design team has done a wonderful job of putting it together. With each month, you'll find pictures, stories, and scripture that'll remind you of God's faithfulness throughout this coming year. I want to send you this just-printed 2024 calendar celebrating 90 years of ministry for your much-needed year-end gift. Your support today will enable Haven to point you and countless others to Christ in the year to come. So just go to our website after the program at haventoday.org haventoday.org. Please, we could really use your generosity this year. 
but ask for the New Haven Calendar when you go to the website or when you call us at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And a little reminder, it's actually a big reminder, this is the final day we can offer you expedited shipping with the hopes of sending it and getting it to a loved one, a Christ-centered Christmas gift by Christmas. We still have the John Rutter Christmas album. We have the Kingdom of God Bible storybook set. You can listen to samples or read from the Kingdom of God Bible storybook set online when you just go to haventoday.org. Ask about it when you call or read more and listen to samples online. And now let's open this special Christmas Haven Today with Chris Tomlin and all sons and daughters. What child is this? What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch our keep. Heartwarming Christmas stories is what we're calling Haven Today programs this week. I'm Charles Morris, Chris Tomlin, opening the program. It was an October evening in 1843. Charles Dickens stepped out of his brick and stone home near Regent's Park in London to take a walk. He was normally a buoyant, optimistic person, but on that particular night, his heart was heavy. At age 31, he had been at the peak of his writing career. The Pickwick Papers, Oliver Twist, Nicholas Nickleby, 
It all sold well, but his newest novel, Martin Chuzzlewit, was not selling well. A few months earlier, his publisher had told him that his advances were about to be reduced by a whole lot. The news had stunned him. He was supporting a large extended family, and his expenses were nearly more than he could handle. His father and brothers were pleading for loans. His wife, whose name was Kate, was expecting their fifth child. All summer long, he'd worried about his mounting bills, especially the large mortgage he owed on his house. He knew he needed an idea that would earn him a lot of money fast, but his depression was giving him writer's block. And as he walked on that nightly trek on an October evening, he was hoping for a breakthrough. He wandered through London's better neighborhoods, but as he got closer to the River Thames, things changed. There were the tenement houses, the open sewers. Litter was strewn everywhere. It reminded him of a nightmare that he had been having most of his life. A 12-year-old boy sits at a work table 12 hours a day, six days a week. He attached labels on an endless stream of shoe polish pots to earn six shillings that would keep him alive. His father was in debtor's prison. His only schooling, the one-hour lesson he got during a dinner break at the warehouse, he felt helpless and abandoned. This dream didn't come out of Dickens' imagination. It was a replay of his early life. He was that boy, working 12 hours a day, until his father inherited some money, paid off his debts, and was released from prison. Now, that fear of destitution rose up in Dickens again. But as he headed home, he had a flash of inspiration. What about writing a Christmas story about a destitute family? But Christmas was less than three months away. The book would have to be short. It would have to be finished by the end of November to be printed in time for Christmas sales. So he began to write. The manuscript grew, page by page. He wrote about the kind of Christmas he loved. Joyous family parties with clusters of mistletoe hanging from the ceiling, Feasts of roast goose, plum pudding, fresh breads, all enjoyed in front of a blazing Yule log. He wrote about a destitute family who couldn't afford that kind of Christmas, and about the stingy man named Scrooge, who could have helped, but only cared for himself. At last, on December 2nd, he was finished, and the manuscript was sent to the printer's. On December 17th, it went on sale, and the first edition of 6,000 copies sold out by Christmas Eve. Dickens' financial situation was reversed, and the world got a great story out of it. If you know the story, you know what happens to old Ebenezer Scrooge. He gets a visit from the spirit of his dead partner, Jacob Marley. He warned the greedy Scrooge that he must change. Dickens did a masterful job of describing how Scrooge was brought to repentance. It shows him the consequences of his actions. It humbled him and instilled compassion in his heart for Tiny Tim and his family. The best part 
is the relief he has when he realizes it is not too late to change. It's a great story, but I must tell you, there's one thing missing. Jesus. Yes, Dickens was a professing Christian, but in this story he wrote, Scrooge goes from being a villain to being a savior without ever turning in faith to the real savior, Jesus Christ. It's natural to think that we can be different if we just try harder. The self-help industry is still big business even today. A whole lot of people are looking for a shot of hope that can change, that they can wake up a different person than they were the night before. Over $13 billion of revenue is generated every year from self-help books, seminars, retreats, infomercials, and life coaches, all selling a promise that we can remake ourselves. But we can't. We need a Savior. And the Savior is Jesus. No one knew this better than the Apostle Peter. Peter bragged about his bravery, yet denied the Lord out of fear, and then even ran away. He went back to fishing. He knew nothing he could ever do would pay for that act of denial. But remember, Jesus came to him. Jesus sought him out. This Jesus who had paid the price for his sin on the cross, he came to him and called him into a new life. And years later, Peter wrote to his fellow believers and explained where this new life came from. 1 Peter 1, 23. You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. And this is the word which was preached to you. Our new life comes from the gospel, the good news of what God has done through Jesus. Change comes into our hearts through the message of the gospel. Peter says it's like a seed. I imagine he was thinking about the parable he had heard Jesus tell about the seed in the sower. The seed gets thrown around. Some of it lands on rocks and does not take root. Some of it gets choked out by weeds. But some of it lands on good, fertile soil and takes root and grows and bears a crop. The gospel is that seed. For some reason, a lot of us end up with the idea that the gospel is only relevant to the beginning of our life as new believers. It saves us. It pays for our sins. But then we have to change ourselves. Half of that is true. Jesus took on our flesh and blood. That's what we marvel at this time of year, that our maker was born and came to live with us. And then he came to take on our sins, that this little baby grew up and let his flesh be broken and his blood be shed so our sins could be forgiven. Scrooge couldn't redeem his past, no matter how many good deeds he did, and neither could Peter. It takes the blood of Jesus to take away our sins. Peter said that over and over again in his little letter that he left for us that's in our Bible today. But he also said something else. He said that this good news, this gospel, not only forgives our sins, but changes us. We can't change ourselves, but the gospel can. It changes us as we take it in and believe it. 
It changes us as we see God's grace in all its truth. That's how Paul puts it in Colossians. He says that the gospel grows and bears fruit in us as we understand God's grace in all its truth. That's just what Peter says. The gospel is like a seed that grows in us. It gets bigger. It gets more glorious. And the more it grows, the more fruit it produces. Fruit like joy and thanksgiving and worship. Fruit like love and kindness and generosity. The change you see in Dickens' Scrooge really only happens through the living word of the gospel. So in the hustle and bustle of Christmas, in the worries and pressures of life, we need to keep opening our hearts to see it. We need to keep turning our hearts to Jesus and see what he's done and how much he loves us and all it means for us that he died and rose again for us. All of that grace. We need to just take it in. And that's what Peter said to do. Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. First Peter 2.2 2. All those years later, That's what Peter was still doing. He was taking in what Jesus did for him. The precious blood of Christ was poured out for us. We need to take that in. This year, this Christmas, not only did it pay for our sins, it redeemed us from our old ways of life. And as we believe it, we are healed. He bore himself our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Peter wrote that in that very same letter, chapter 2, verse 24. Dickens told a great story, but Peter told a better one. Dickens dreamed his story up while walking the streets of London one night, but Peter saw it with his own eyes, this beautiful, true story of the gospel. This Christmas, we can just be babies, taking in our milk. We can just drink in the grace of the Son of God who was born into our world to live and die and be raised again for us. We can just take it in and then live it out. As Peter said in that same little letter, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead.
Classic Christmas Carol coming from Cambridge, England, one of the special colleges that's been around for many centuries. And, uh, of course, that was God Rest You Merry Gentlemen here on Haven Today. Can you believe it? It's almost 2024. And I can't wait to hang up a brand new Haven calendar on our refrigerator because this year's is extra special. Now, I'm looking at it right now, and it's called Celebrating 90 Years of Ministry. It is a special calendar because it's more like a scrapbook filled with rich stories and pictures going all the way back to Los Angeles, Hollywood in 1934. And with our big birthday coming next March, I think you'll enjoy going down a memory lane with me. And I really like April's page that includes a picture of Billy Graham with the Haven Quartet. You know, the quartet sang at his 1949 crusade in L.A. that launched him as an evangelist. Our organist for the Haven of Rest was the organist for that original crusade. Every month you'll discover some photos that have never been seen before along with stories and scripture that will remind you all year long of God's faithfulness. So I want to send you our 2024 Haven calendar, celebrating 90 years of ministry. For your year-end gift, please make it a generous year-end gift to the ministry. Your support will help us point you, but more than that, countless others, to the light and the love of Christ along life's path in the year to come. Go to our website. It's haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. You'll see the calendar there where you can make your year-end gift. Or call us at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And a quick reminder, if you still need help in sending a Christ-centered Christmas gift to somebody you love, or maybe even to get a gift for yourself, There's just enough time to choose expedited shipping. This is the final day with the hope of getting it there before Christmas. You could get the John Rutter Christmas album or the Kingdom of God Bible storybook set. 
I'm giving my grandkids the Bible storybook. And I know that children in your life would be really blessed by it as well. So make your gift when you call us or when you go online. And be sure, though, and ask for expedited shipping when you call or you visit our website. And we'll get it out the door just as fast as we possibly can and try to make sure it's there before Christmas. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again together we'll share the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. To err is human, to forgive is divine, and no, that's not from the Bible, but God is the one who enables a Christian to forgive. Corey Ten Boom famously shook the hand of a Nazi, a man who had been a guard of the concentration camp where she had been held. She knew that God's forgiveness of her was far greater than her forgiveness of that guard. How could she withhold it when God the Father had not withheld his own son for her? Romans 8.32, since he didn't spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, would he also give us everything else? And of course, that includes the strength to forgive one another. Get daily encouragement in your walk with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit getanchor.com.